0: Take the week. All Look right. at you! You're fucking pathetic! Why? Why? What are
1: you talking about? Why do you think I blew up your condo? What? Hitting bottom isn't a weekend retreat. It's not a goddamn seminar. Stop trying to control everything and just let go.
0: Let go! Alright, fine. Fine.
1: And welcome to Spitting the Real Shit, the only weekly movie podcast made exclusively by and about the online Facebook group The Real Shit. Uh, you are catching us on a very special night because this is our eighth episode ever. Uh, later on, you're going to hear a conversation with uh, myself, Ryland, and uh, member guest Jeff Drake talking about the 1999 Brad Pitt and Edward Norton film Fight Club. Uh, but we're also going to be talking about the DC fandom that just dropped a few major trailers uh, in, the, in the movie biz. And we'll also be talking about the musical's bracket and its current standings. Um My name is Charlie Thompson, uh, founder, sole administrator, and bracket master of the real shit. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, a ferocious film fan, a midnight movie maniac, and all-around
0: nice guy, Mr. Rylan
1: Johnson. How are you, sir?
0: Charlie, I am Jack's medulla oblongata. I wouldn't expect (laughs) anything less, sir. Uh, How you been, man? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm excited. we are punching these episodes out every week, and it just, it's so exciting. How could we uh, not be more excited for a Fight Club talk about? Well, it's
1: exciting to, you know, um, to be able to to bring other people in as well. You know, it's, it's ma- making it multimedia, and uh, hearing the passion out of some of these guys that we're, we're talking to um, is, is so great. But actually, uh, next week, we have slated... Uh, it's it's not going to be uh, 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 a 30-something white man in our in our midst. We, we actually have a, a, a change for next week. Uh, we booked it today. Uh, we're going to have a recent member, Anna Leone, on next week. And we're going to be chopping it up about the Alien franchise. Uh, uh-huh. So that, that includes more than one movie. And uh, as much as I uh, find that daunting, I also find it very challenging. And so uh, I can't wait to talk I- to her next week um about uh about the alien franchise i'm a big fan i know you are too yes sir and uh and so go ahead
0: yeah i'm very excited uh a newer member on you know we've had some ogs on the group uh a newer member who's shown she's she's in there she's she's liking she's she's smiley facing she's loving things uh she's voting she's uh She's a big part of the of the new surge of members and uh, I'm excited to have a new guest. Uh, a female perspective on something will be great um, it'll be awesome uh, yes. I'm really excited about it
1: um, yeah and, and to talk about the alien franchise i uh, I literally have i'm looking at my copy of the Alien Quadrilogy uh, on my shelf, uh, so I can't wait to crack that thing open this week and, uh, and talk about that but we're not talking about alien franchise this week we're talking about the d c Fandom that just came through and dropped a whole bunch of flavor on the fans, uh, including the brand new trailer for The Batman, uh, starring Robert Pattinson and Colin Farrell, apparently. <laughs> So, uh so did you want to talk about uh, the Batman trailer for a second,
0: round Yeah, you know we're trying to go. We're, we're going to trade off segments here. Um, yeah. And I was gifted the Batman trailer, which is is a huge part of my life. I don't know if there's a bigger Batman fan that I know. Um, you come into my house, I've got Batman stuff all over the place. My batroom's the you know the uh, the bathroom's called the batroom. So the ba- um, yeah. Um. Yeah. um Super excited about this this trailer to drop. Um, you know, I'm going to dive in just to the basics of it. I don't want to get too much into the Easter eggs and to the fandom of it. You know, I like to actually. I'm more of a proponent of watching a, a first trailer and just kind of letting it be. Yeah. Uh, I don't like to, to dive into the comments, into the the fan uh, theories, all that kind of stuff. Really takes away from a movie because no matter what you what you get, what information, it's just it's overwhelming you're going to find, you're going to find out that when you actually do watch the movie, you were, you were cheated some, some surprises or just some, you know, what I like to call just movie magic. Uh, so I'm just going to talk about this, this trailer quick. Sure. Cause I, really, I really don't want to, like I said, I don't want to beat it up. I just want to, to, to show my love and excitement. Like nothing's more exciting than a new Batman trailer. And I, I can't, I should have looked this up beforehand. I don't know what uh number patents patents is in the, the Batman uh, lineup—he's got to be what nine, ten, a dozen. You know, there's been a twelve. There's been twelve great men before him that have done this role before, but I think they really, really, really did a good job of of nailing the young Batman in this role. Uh, he's gotten so much heat because of his stupid uh, uh, Twilight uh, run, but if you've seen this man act in the last ten years or eight years, you can tell he's got some chops. He was amazing in the, the Lighthouse um yeah the amount of he he did you know i i I posted my famous quote seven years eight years ago of of seeing ben affleck as batman and my disdain for it but that i've i've grew i've grown to say you know what some of these guys can play this role they don't have to be uh keaton's and clooney's and and kilmer's they can be you know a little bit darker a little bit more well-versed but um,
1: you know uh ever since um ever since i watched the dark knight uh I have my expectations of like fan theories and things of that nature have gone out the window. Cause I remember when it was first announced that Heath Ledger was playing the Joker, I was like, bullshit, <laughs> you know, like, 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 like the majority of everybody.
0: Oh, totally. You know?
1: And then, yeah. of course, you know, time is told on that one. And Heath Ledger killed it. And he, I mean, he, I mean, he, he, he put his body and his, and his mind on the line so much, you know, that it, it contributed to, his death almost, you know, and, um, I mean, you know, barring the demons that he already had, but, uh, but at the same time, like, that's a, it's a performance that's going to live forever, you know? And it's, I, I think it surpasses the Nicholson performance, which everybody was basing it on. And so, uh, ever since, ever since I saw Heath Ledger's performance in the dark night, uh, every time they announce a new character or a new casting decision, I'm never up in arms. I'm never going, fuck you. I, I'm like, let's see what he can do. I mean, because obviously there's potential
0: anywhere. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I hate to say, I you know, that Joker role is so coveted, and then Leto came in and kind of killed it for me. You know, um, yeah. you know, Jack Nicholson was 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 just amazing in Batman '89. Then you get Heath Ledger, and it, but you're right, some can some can do it, some can't, and you just have to give them their shot and give them their their their, their dude you know, due diligence and see what they can do in the role. Um, But the thing that excites me the most about, I'm sure, I mean, um, millions of people watch this trailer the day of, let alone since then. I think you've seen it. Um, It's dark. It's, you know, the sound of duct tape is what starts the the, the, the trailer. And that's creepy sounding. It's the Riddler to me is almost a, um, it reminds me of almost of a seven, you know, kind of trailer seven. We're talking about Fincher uh Again? you know you got this creepy serial killer kind of character who i think is the riddler you know because like i said i don't want to give too much away but right uh the sound of duct tape was very visceral very dark uh people are calling an emo batman or whatever you know uh
1: yeah, yeah poking, fun
0: poking fun at it that way but i but i do like the beginnings of batman um you do see a, a, a muscle car batmobile you know you see a you know, yes. there's no frills. there's this looks to me like it's set in a real world. It's set into a, a Gotham that is almost the Gotham, the Gotham TV kind of vibes is what I got a little bit from it. I was a big fan of that show. Um, yes. it, it definitely had its flaws. I don't want to talk about TV shows, but uh, it had that vibe. Um, yes. Like I said, bringing in two uh, villains that you haven't seen in forever with 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 uh, uh, the Riddler and also uh, the Penguin just excites the hell out of me the Riddler was always one of my favorite uh, characters in the comic books and everything. Cause he's so smart and he's almost, you know, to me he's smarter than Batman, but Batman just gets the best of him somehow, some way, but his intelligence is what, you know, is so exciting to me. I think, I hope they, they take that dark, demented serial killer kind of route. And it is a young Batman. He hasn't figured his way out. He's very, uh, with a fight scene and, and the trailer is very raw and violent, which I love. Um, okay. You know yes. this is what excites me about our new Batman. This is what I hoped Nolan had went a little bit more darker and a little bit more seedy. Uh I think he had to push a little bit more mainstream, um, just because of the budget and who is what his name is. But I think okay. what they're aiming at here is is what what is perfect in my wheelhouse. I've always liked um, you know, Frank Miller's Batman, um, the grittier, darker versions of Joker and the villains and you know. Yeah. that aspect of it so this this movie this trailer just excites me to no end so i'm i'm very 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 looking forward to this it'll be awesome
1: well um i guess i guess hot takes if you're if you're looking for my opinion um i um uh, like you said it it comes off very real you know uh it has a very real aspect to it and uh i guess you could say that about nolan's work too but but nolan has such a flair for the cinematic like he's yeah. He, he wants the he wants the grandness of Batman. Whereas yeah. I saw in this trailer, there's nothing grand about it. Yeah, I mean, there,
0: there's there's no there's no Hans Zimmer in this Batman. You know, this yeah, is this is no, um uh, it's it's boiled down.
1: No I noticed there's no swooping shots of the skyline right. or, you know, uh, yeah. like an overview. It's just you're already in it. You're you're on the street level, and that's where you stay. And then the addition of of you know the Nirvana. You know something in the way i mean that being the song for the trailer um i mean it was it was just i thought it was a great addition to the feel of the trailer and then um like you got uh, just a little glimpse of Catwoman there for a minute um and so yes I'm, i can't wait to see more footage but from what i've seen i'm very excited to see this film
0: oh yeah i think it's gonna be a a you know, there's not as not as many gadgets. You know, I don't think uh, our you know, Alfred's going to play a big role in this. I don't think. But it was cool to see that Jeffrey Wright took over as uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon. Um, you know, yes. James Bond, uh, Hunger Games. I know he's not the most well-known actor, but for them to change the role a little bit there, I thought it was was cool. Um, That's, funny.
1: That's funny that you go to those films for Jeffrey Wright. Right. Because I, I go Westworld and Siriana.
0: With- <laughs> yeah right um he was the guy sitting you know he was the guy giving him money and and casino royale you know kind of thing um uh so uh, that's what i relate him to but i thought it was a cool switcheroo there i thought maybe he was going to play lucius there for a second just because of obvious reasons but um you know to see them switch that role up you know gordon can be anybody you know it's it's no big deal there so um i just think it's going to be raw and gritty and fun uh i don't think it's going to be you know campy at all i think it's going to be very very dark and i i'm all about it cuz he is the dark knight so let's roll
1: which is which is such a, a like um just so against the warner brothers brand you know like if if, if i can say so like oh, i mean totally. cuz batman i mean it's it's a it's a license to print money basically like like if you put out a batman movie it's going to make money no matter what i mean the the like like the the way you talk about 89 batman and all that like just it's so deep-seated in your fandom like you're gonna go see it regardless it could be a piece of shit and you still go see it um and so the the fact that they made the decision to make it way darker and you know make it you know much more adult uh, is a bold move for for warner brothers especially in the you know the t-shirt hat action figure you know realm of, of, their, of their money-making machine and so um so i praise them for being able to take that chance and i hope that the fans will back them up the same way that um that you know uh, sony pictures changed like sonic the hedgehog through you know just fan you know outbursts that they're actually taking these these comments and putting them towards the project and making it grittier and making it more raw and i hope it 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 gets over you know at the box office i hope it gets over artistically you know as that way it opens the door for much more grittier stuff which i think the dc was already on its way to doing that like in, in its series of films that it's it's putting out in the last few years
0: totally i think it's going to do well i think it's going to be exciting and they're going to delay that i think it's already delayed almost to 2021 but hey um we've got a trailer so i'm happy <laughs> that's right
1: yeah yeah you're a baby bird you need to get fed
0: yeah mm. uh the other big one that uh that was at
1: fandom i mean I went, I, there was a video game trailer there was a wonder woman uh second trailer Um, uh, but the other big one was the reveal of the, the Suicide Squad, um, and how, uh, they're bringing in everything but the kitchen sink on this one. Um, they are, it it wasn't even really an actual cinematic trailer. It was more of like a telling about the production and, you know, all the, all the pieces involved. And, um... And uh, really just a, a, an introduction of all the new members and old members of the Suicide Squad that are either coming back or coming into the fold.
2: You know the deal. Successfully complete the mission, you get 10 years off your sentence.
0: Welcome to Force X. These are your brothers and sisters for the next few days.
1: Was super excited to see that John Cena was uh, part of the cast on this one. Uh, huge fan of John Cena. I'm a huge wrestling fan in general, so any any wrestler that gets to come up in, in the in the movie world, I- I'll always you know th- throw them a couple of bones and and go watch their movie. Um, but I mean, there's also a bunch of interesting, you know, it's like the anonymity of some of these some of these people, like Mr. Polkadot. Like, what the hell is his place? And and this whole Suicide Squad yeah. thing.
0: The and, character. Uh, choices in this just blew me away there's a great white shark guy and then mr polka dot and i'm like what is going on they have to go goofy with this for me for it to get my attention and they did well so yeah
1: i mean it's it's being helmed by james gunn of uh, guardians of the galaxy fame so you know that he can mix kooky characters in one space all together he's he's very very good at that um i mean he's but at the same time i'm a huge james gunn fan like like james gunn could make you know a uh a, a romantic comedy and i still go see it like without question just because he made it like yeah. uh like, like i went to go see the belco experiment uh about the movie about the 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 office building oh yeah on oh, i've uh, seen it that, that was that was written by james gunn and so i, I saw it you know in theaters <laughs> just because it's james gunn like like uh, i guess my first james gunn was um i guess slither uh, well, actually, it was Dawn of the Dead because he wrote the remake for Dawn of the Dead. Uh-huh. And so I saw that, but he actually wrote uh, the first two Scooby Doo movies. That's that, that. was his first big come up in Hollywood. <laughs> was was he wrote the the Sarah Michelle Geller, you know, Scooby
0: Doo movies? I'm sure he's just as proud of those.
1: And uh, and he wrote those, and he got opportunities, and uh, and he wrote Dawn of the Dead, and that got over real well. And then he finally got his first directing uh, opportunity, which was Slither. And of course, it bombed at the box office, and uh, and so he was back down to zero again. But then he made a lot of great films after that. He made a movie Super with uh, Rain Wilson, uh, and then finally he uh, got back on top again with Guardians of the Galaxy. Which I knew at some point he was going to get back on top uh, because he's just such a such a great filmmaker. Uh, like, uh, why why would he be ignored in that in that sense? Yeah. And so um, and so I'm I'm glad he's he's helming this project, and it looks kind of uh, but there's a there's a very serious level of camp involved in this one. Um, it has has almost kind of like an A team kind of feel to it, you know, like you know, assemble, you know, sort of, sort of like type situation. But I can't wait to see who the the main baddie is. I can't wait to see what the narrative is, why they have to get together again. But it does not seem to be uh, as dark as the Batman or even the original Suicide Squad.
0: No, it's it's going to go a totally different direction. But I'm excited, but uh, not as excited as I am about this bracket news that's coming up.
1: It's right. Uh, uh, And uh, moving over to group news, uh, the musicals bracket is in full swing. We have just finished the Sweet 16. We are now in the quarterfinals officially. Uh, The first vote for the quarterfinals was posted earlier today as we record this. Um, And uh, God, the Sweet 16 was a bunch of bummers, but. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of them, uh, which was uh, Rocky Horror versus Singing in the Rain. Uh, which way did you lean on that one?
0: You know, I went with all the, the degenerates of the group and went Rocky Horror because <sighs> Singing in the Rain really is one of the most. It is a great movie. I get it. But it's just Rocky Horror is just so much more fun to me. And just I don't know. I'm just <sighs> I leaned with the dark side on this one. That's what I would call it. It's just, yeah. it's, it's just darker and more, it's more up my alley. Uh, what's the better overall movie? That is Singing in the Rain. It just didn't have enough steam. So.
1: Well, it's, it's like a traditional uh, music. Yeah. Does that make exactly. sense? Like it's, um, totally. uh, I remember I was in a seminar one time with Tom Savini, who's a very famous, like makeup effects guy.
0: Oh yeah. Everybody and, knows Savini.
1: And he'll be, he'll be doing his class. Like he teaches a school. And then, and then he says, in every single class, there's always that one dude that comes in like with th- just this big dick confidence, and like, dude, I can make whatever mask you want, whatever face, whatever uh, you know, eye structure. You know, I can make a monster, I can make a squid, I can make this. It'd be all crazy and super lavish. And then Tom Savini humbles them out and says, "Okay, cool. Your first project, I want you to make a perfect human nose." Right. And then, and then they're stopped in their tracks because all they ever think about is the outlandish part of it. Yep. Yep. Makeup effect. He's like, no, I want you to make just a a replica of a human nose. And it's and it's and it turns out to be one of the hardest things for these people who think they're so good at makeup effects to do. And so it's it's something to be said about the, the the traditional versions of these things. And so it's like, like, you can deviate as much as you want, but you're not gonna get anywhere if you don't know, don't learn how to make a traditional musical. And I think that 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 singing in the rain was that, and uh, it, it I, I believe it got snubbed. But at the same time, Rocky Horror Picture Show it it was one of those movies that like helped me envision the world almost, you know, kind of like oh there's this whole other subset of people out there that I didn't even know about, you know, and and how it, and then later on you you out about the fandom and the demographics that it, that that kind of cling to it, and uh, and you you just kind of fall in love all over again. And so I get why the passion is there. For Rocky Horror, right? Uh, but logically, I'm like, are you guys fucking crazy? <laughs> <laughs> like, like you're just gonna let Cinderella lose? Um, uh, but uh, that being said, yeah, Rocky Horror made it through. Uh, Mary Poppins is still in this game. Uh, it actually beat out uh, said uh, The Sound of Music for the spot. So it was Julie Andrews versus Julie Andrews, which was a tough one to to call. Um, uh, but uh, here in the quarterfinals, we have a lot of great matchups today. We're deciding uh, Fiddler on the Roof versus uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, And and coming up in the later days, we also have uh, Grease going up against The Wizard of Oz. We have Willy Wonka going up against Mary Poppins. And we have Rocky Horror Picture Show going up against My Fair Lady. Uh, And so any one of those eight could become the champion of the musical's bracket. Um, And so I'm excited. I can't even call it at this point. Uh, it's 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 really exciting. I'm so glad that the amount of feedback we're getting and the amount of votes that are coming in, uh, and the amount of passion that people are showing. I'm I'm still humbled by it, it, it even a week later after I after I stated it. Um, and so yeah, I, I can't wait to see who gets crowned champion. Uh, but really, I'm kind of glad that uh, Team America didn't make it through because it's is <laughs> sometimes the 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 troll selection makes it a lot farther. And, and makes a lot more sacrifices than it should have but um, I have, I
0: have a legit bracket you know if it's on a
1: legit bracket yeah yeah it needs all to be too uh but uh, i'm i am kind of glad that a trey parker film made it and, uh and, and actually got through the first round um so uh but yeah uh in, in i believe in less than 10 days we'll we'll have our champion and uh it'll be you know, it'll be glorious and then Uh, Next, of course, will be the bracket of champions, which I can't wait for uh, because it has no premise. It has no, uh, well, you know, what are we voting on? The best musical or the best movie? Like, no, it's just straight up champions. It's just movie for movie. It's raw. It's in the cage, baby. I see you shiver with anticipation.
0: And so... um, Epics in capital letters. Epic. That's right,
1: and then and then whoever wins the bracket of champions is the ultimate movie. Like, like like I said last week, you know, it's like it's if the if if that's the champion, then that's the greatest movie ever made. To the real ship.
0: You know, it, it well deserved. I mean, bracket of bracket of bracket. Do the math. Isn't this like a, a one in a billion?
1: That's right. That's right. That's that's. I mean, I mean, Warren currently told me so. <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on in the group. Uh Matt Teeter's still pumping out those great DiCaprio memes. And I I wonder what the next meme is
0: going to be that he's going to latch onto. Uh but we had Matt it's Teeter on last week. It's a meme train. He's just going to latch onto the next caboose and just do his thing. I sure hope he
1: does. Uh I, I want to have Nasty Nate on at some point to uh to clarify his uh meme master status. Uh whether it's changing <laughs> or not. Um, but that'd be great. Uh if 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 Ed, if you're listening to this, uh shout it out in the comments what the rules of, of the meme master is. Um and so um uh we uh actually earlier tonight we had a great conversation uh with uh, Jeff Drake, who is a founding member of uh The Real Shit. And uh he he had a he had a time constraint, so we wanted to make sure that uh we got him in and still had a, a good time talking with him about fight club. Uh and so it's actually gonna be on a separate recording, so it's gonna be a different uh type of thing. Um, and so, uh, we, we had a great time talking philosophy, uh, talking production, uh, talking about our own experiences and rewatches of the film. Uh, I can't wait to let y'all hear it. Um, I, I know, I know Rylan, he, he, had his own views and then I came in with my own views and then Jeff came in with a whole other view, view and then blew us all away. Um, and so, uh, so that's basically going to be the rest of the episode, guys. Um. I can't wait uh, for uh, Anna Leone next week. But as for right now, uh, enjoy our conversation uh, with uh, founding Real Shit member Jeff Drake. Let's do the Scooby Doo, Andy.
2: Good call. Do you
1: remember
2: this? Oh, wow. Uh, vaguely. Oh, Vague- my God.
1: It was. I, I was dying laughing. It was one of my favorite videos of all time. It's. Uh, it's my buddy, uh, John Schiller, who submitted the video. It's yeah, a,
2: it's a, John. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a. Yeah. It's a
1: <laughs> video Of of him just in his house, uh, drunk as a skunk, uh, videotaping the screen of his TV, and he's currently watching, uh, Jackass 3D. And it's particularly the scene where uh, <laughs> uh, some guy or a pig is trying to eat an apple out of the guy's ass.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Which, you know, and uh, the whole movie is way better than that scene. Like, I, I thought of all the pranks they did in that movie. That was one of the lesser ones.
2: Yeah, it was just kind of... But, uh, was-
1: but in the video, you, you couldn't convince John Schiller otherwise. Because uh, he, because in the video he looks like he's having the greatest time watching this movie.
2: There's, n- he probably just sat there and rewound that scene over and over and over again, just to watch it. And he,
1: he was absolutely <laughs> losing it. He was dying laughing. Like it was such a great laugh. And and he was like he's like laughing exponentially on those right. cues where like when the we,
2: guy. When we talked crazy. about it, we were like we're. His laugh was more entertaining than the movie was.
1: Oh my god, it was
2: so funny.
1: <laughs> And I, and I remember I, I wanted to try and make that thing go viral, but I was such a small group at that point, I, I didn't know how to. And uh, But uh, I, I implore any of you listeners out there uh, who want to scroll for about 45 minutes to get to the 2012 posts, uh, there is a video on there of a guy watching Jackass, and it's hilarious.
0: I might find it just to repost it. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was going to say. Let's get it reposted and uh, relive the... The genesis of the real yeah. shit. I had a good time listening to you laugh at him, laugh at the movie.
1: So. It was so funny. <laughs> like it's, oh my god, I, I can't even recreate it. It's it's so funny. Um, but yeah, but basically, uh, the real shit in the beginning was just just a group of friends just trying to uh, keep the conversation going about movies, and um, then we eventually kind of worked in like movie news, and and uh, and then you know just the, 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 in 2016, I implemented the bracket. And then we started playing the brackets, and then people just started kind of started flocking and, and getting bigger and bigger numbers. Yeah. Um, but uh, but Jeff is the one that kind of remembers when it was just us, just, you know, playing little piddly movie trivia. Like we would post yeah. little screenshots of things. It was just
2: fun. It was just something between. That. Yeah. I mean, how many people first joined It was me, you, and
1: <laughs> yeah, think like Tony was there. Tony was there. Yeah. John Schiller was there. Um, but yeah, just a, just a close you know, a group of my friends in particular. And uh, and so it was just it was just fun, the uh, the activity that I was already getting. And uh, it's crazy to see how eight years later, I think Jeff was the one I told in the beginning, like, we, we're going to be making t-shirts at some point. Yeah. And so uh,
2: so we're, we're on like, our way. Cool. And then I just kind of, it just kind of, it's always been there. I've always commented on stuff and posted and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, it was just the other day, I realized you had over you you said you uh, you you posted that you had 500 members and I'm like, wait what? Do I like, get out of town? Get, um, get the hell out of here! I didn't, I didn't even realize we're that, we're cresting like, on
1: nearly 600,
2: now, Jeff. 600? No.
1: Almost 600 now. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Um, it's crazy. now. And, uh, and so yeah, um, but I I reached out to Jeff uh, a little less than a week ago. Said hey, you want to be on my show? And he's like, of course.
2: It's like Fuck, and, uh, yeah I mean you know I hate the sound of my own voice but I'll do this for you.
1: <laughs> thank you man. I appreciate that. I, I personally love the sound of your voice. It's very it's very soothing. Um, oh, thank oh you. you're welcome. You're welcome. Um but uh but I I told him that he gets carte blanche on whatever he wanted to talk about and uh the movie he picked uh this week was Fight Club. Uh the 1999 uh, David Fincher epic. Um and uh, great, I, great. I just, pick it's uh it's 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 so good <laughs> like uh i mean <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how quickly you want to delve into it but i mean first point we got to make here is um it's an anti-authoritarian film produced by a major hollywood <laughs> studio right uh, which is also number one just like why would you do that <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't know it's a, was it y2k Kind of thinking, or it was just a good story. I'm not sure.
2: I think it was just a, you know, they were just buying up books to to, to make movies out of, and they, uh, you know, they probably didn't even know what the hell it was. Um, I know Fincher was trying to get the rights to it before the studio did, and then he, it was Fox who, you know, yes. kind of screwed him over on Alien Three, and so he he thought it was just kind of a lost thing, and. Uh, I'm not sure, really sure of the details of how he got involved again, but they uh, they got him to do it. So, thank God, because I don't know anybody else who could have pulled out, pulled it off as uh, vividly as he did. So, I don't I know. His style I, just fit. And it was, I don't know.
1: And, and you know, I, I think at th- that point in his career, he was still kind of finding his style, you know?
2: Um, yeah. It was, I, it was early on in his career. I mean, Alien 3 was, what, 94? And this was five years later?
1: Yeah, uh, then he did uh, 7 right after that? Yeah. Then the game, and then Fight Club. And so, that's his yeah. fourth feature. I've
0: got a fun fact about Fincher. Uh, he actually wasn't the first director that they chose. Um, I've got a little mini-list. Peter Jackson was the first on the list um, to direct this, which I think would have been a completely different movie. Uh, which was interesting. I think he had already tied the rights to uh, Lord of the Rings, or he was actually filming Lord of the Rings during this time. So, um, and then just the quick list: the other two that were looked upon were Brian Singer and Danny Boyle. Um, Boyle was the one that eventually did a. He, he couldn't do it because he wanted to do a, a uh, God Leonardo DiCaprio in The Beach. Right. Yeah. Okay. But Boyle, Boyle was just- good fit. That would have been yeah, cool. I think Boyle would have been a better fit than. I mean, who? How can you say Peter Jackson isn't a good fit for? him? I mean, <laughs> I think he would. Have, I think he would have done well. Uh, he does well with everything. But um, yeah, Fincher. I mean, he he kind of started his game, and I look when I looked at his filmography, I I went back far enough to see a lot of those music videos he started out doing. You know, and those mm-hmm. are some some very mainstream MTV, VH1 music videos. Is how I guess he got his start.
1: And. And I would call this movie a total MTV movie, if if I could. Yes. You know, it's 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 got all the all, all the ticks of just angsty teenagers, you know, just sitting around listening to music all day, exactly, <clears throat> and, uh, and just overthrowing the man. Um, but <laughs> I, I wanted I wanted to change gears, and I wanted to ask you, Jeff, uh, yep. where were you uh, the first time you sat down and watched Fight Club for the first time?
2: Uh, let's see. Okay, so. Um... I was living in Burleson. I had a neighbor who was in college. He wasn't much older than me. Um, my brother was hanging out over there. I went over, they were doing they were just watching something. I didn't know what the hell it was. I sat down (laughs) and they ruined it for me. By the way, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, turn us off right now. Yes. (laughs) And go watch it. Then come back. It's a big spoiler, so I mean, it's, it's a one huge of the spoiler. Kind of... I don't want to ruin it. So, um, sat down. And I'm like, "What's going on in this scene?" And it's literally tw- 15 minutes left in the movie, and he's like, "That's the, they're the same person." Blah blah blah. Oh like, shit! Oh, that sucks. You just ruined it. Not <laughs> no, no courtesy, no courtesy from <laughs> yeah. the tour. And uh, so, I was like, "Oh, okay." But he's like, you still watch it, though. Still a good movie. I'm like, all that right. Sucks. Anyway, so um, <laughs> maybe a couple of weeks later, I was in the blockbuster. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> wow. What is that? Yeah, what is that? Uh, and uh, it was for sale. So I just bought it. And I didn't. Uh, I, I just knew I liked what I saw. So I was like, I just buy it, whatever. Sat down and watched it. And I probably watched it. Twenty times over the next month because i was just trying to figure out what it was i was watching that's awesome (laughs) because it it was more than just the twist ending it was it was this whole psychology behind it and um, everything yeah it's everything (laughs) yeah i mean it's
1: it's like it's more than the sum of its parts
2: uh it just resonates with people and uh it resonated with me so yeah
1: Oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you chose it. it. It's in my all-time top ten, Fight Club is. I believe it's number six in my all-time oh. top ten. Um, what it about you, my, Ryan? Oh, go ahead.
2: It is in my top three.
1: Top Fight Club is in your top three. That's that's, that's the shit. <laughs> well, what, what about you, Rylan? What were you the first time you watched Fight Club?
0: Uh, Fight Club, I remember getting wind of the twist ending, uh, and I had actually rented it from Blockbuster um and watched it with my close friend uh who was also a big movie buff so we we appreciated uh we didn't really know of david fincher um i remember looking at him and going oh the, the cinematography and the cut scenes and the splicing of of brad pitt and the scenes and just all the cool uh you know so hit it was so cool it was so late 90s um and being you know i think this hate to say we, we, this movie was made for guys our demographic 16 to, to 25 16 to 30 maybe at the time yeah. so could it have hit at a better time in my life i think in 99 i was what a sophomore in high school so you know very stylized uh, i think brad pitt's best role in my opinion um and uh watching it with him though was was exciting to to get that that thrill at the end of a twist ending and oh it kind of blew me away you know, I hadn't really watched too many mind benders at that time in my in my life, so um, I loved it. It uh,
1: it definitely resonates, man. Um, I remember. So did uh, a recap on both you guys. Did y'all watch the VHS copy or the DVD copy?
2: Oh no, it was uh, DVD.
0: Yeah, I actually, like I said uh, on my Facebook post, I, I actually blew the dust and the dog hair off of my copy. <laughs> I don't think it had moved in about seven years, but um, <laughs> have a DVD of it. And, of course, if you were a, a, a young man buying DVDs in the 2000s, this was a must-have on your shelf. If you didn't have Fight Club, what, what were you doing?
1: Yeah, it's it's almost like you have to have it just to let everybody know. You know?
0: Yeah, it, everybody had seen it 30 times, but if you didn't have Fight Club on your shelf, uh, <laughs> sorry. But, you know, go buy it now.
1: Well, plus, you know, I think it's one of those things where uh, if you don't see it on somebody's shelf, it's an opportunity to 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 get somebody to watch Fight Club for the first time, which is is it, a thing that's dwindling nowadays. But back in the day, you could be like, "You've never seen Fight Club? We're watching it right now,"
2: <laughs> and
1: uh, and so then you get to watch their mind get
2: blown. You know? So yeah, so just last year, I was uh, uh, I, I, I got a promotion. I went to Chicago for a year, and I was working along the project manager. And I was roommate roommates with him for the entire year, too.
1: Yeah,
2: and uh, just one day he just looks over and I'm like, What's your favorite movie? I said, Fight Club. He's like, We're watching it right now because it's mine, too. And he put it in, and oh, we wow. watched it last time I watched it, actually. Oh, and, that's uh, great! Yeah, we bonded over that, so that was cool. And uh, yeah, just one of those things like, Ah, I got another, another bro to watch <laughs> um, Fight Club with.
1: Uh, i remember uh watching this on dvd Uh, my buddy adam uh actually uh, uh, his parents had just gotten a dvd player and this was the first movie i'd ever seen on dvd and and so during the movie he was kind of showing me all the odds and ends that that you can do with a dvd player like you can pause it you know and it's it's a still image and then you can like zoom in and zoom out you can add uh, you know director's commentary and Go to the special features, and he showed me all the little things
2: you could do with the DVD This player. is the first time you've watched.
1: First time I watched it ever, and so so I was getting. I I think the first shot I saw the movie was the penguin, it was uh you know him, him walking into his into his cave, with the power animal, power uh, animal. and uh, and so that was the first thing I saw of the movie ever. Um, well no, I'm lying because I remember I skipped school on May 19th, 1999, to go watch Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. And in and, and the and the trailer reel, they had some twentieth century fox, like uh, kind of kind of like something you would show to investors almost, uh-huh. um, of like their slate of new movies coming out in that year. And i I remember the three movies they had on the slate. It was Anna and the King, it was Fight Club, <laughs> and it was Titan A.E. Oh, yeah. Now, now now, two of the three of those movies, you probably couldn't tell me who was in those movies right but uh, but, I, but i remember uh in the preview it was it was a lot of the a lot of the footage of them blowing up that uh corporate um statue with the ball on it and the ball rolling through the mall
2: yeah through the
1: uh, and so that was the first bit i ever saw fight club but then you know of course i watched the movie and um uh it blew my fucking mind uh <laughs> like uh, naturally and then I, after i left adam's house i went to blockbuster you know, uh, you know. I know it sounds kind of cliche, but I uh, you, you went to Blockbuster, and I I rented the movie, and I had a two night rental, right? I was going to different people's houses with that rental for the next forty eight hours, <laughs> like trying to get somebody else to watch it with me. Like, dude, you gotta see this movie. You gotta see you got this
0: your, movie. You got your dollars worth on that rental. Just you gotta <laughs> watch this. You you watched it twelve <laughs> times, didn't you?
1: Man, I watched it at least four times, and that and that's that's a realistic number. Um. And uh and yeah, I mean four times on a rental. I mean, that's dope. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I guess we just kind of dip in, guys. I mean, uh, I well, mean, obviously go ahead.
2: No, let's do it. Let's go. Let's do it.
1: Um well, first of all, I mean, you you want to talk about just um I guess Chuck Chuck and, and his work and his very nihilistic uh you know, where if you've ever read a a, a Chuck Polanya book um uh, he, he's written he's written a lot he, he wrote wrote the uh the book choke which eventually yeah. became a sam rockwell film um but his right. his his writing yeah. is very just uh detached from human life and
2: uh, uh I, go uh, ahead he, he, he's spoken about that uh actually he, he said he, he comes from journalism and um so his writing is very uh instead of one-on-one with a person it'd be Kind of researching around them and figuring out what's going on with their behavior instead of actually asking that you know that kind of a thing yeah and, uh Makes he sense. sense he pieced together a lot of things um uh, just uh, kind of like different articles and he picked the best ones and kind of mold a book out of it and so that's kind of why um I guess uh, because I've read the book and uh, the movie follows along with the book pretty well. Uh, It's a completely different ending, but um, there's so many themes in it. Yes. Uh, It's very dense with different themes and it intertwines between the, um, you know, the anti corporatism and um, the the guttural. fighting and um i like the the feminine and masculine qualities of of everyone and yeah it is my own words i'm sorry but no it's it's very dense it's very uh
1: yeah and 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 i think if you were to pick up the book at a bookstore the the book is very thin yeah Uh, as far as like like as as compared to like a Stephen King novel, and um and so but from what I from what I understand, uh, the book is very close in relation to the adaptation, to the movie. Like the the they haven't really didn't really miss a whole lot in the adaptation.
0: And um, was, uh, I'm happy that one of y'all have read the book because uh, it just I'm, I've heard of never read it, and then I was I was curious to see how it matched up there. So. Drake knows, and that's nice. And uh yeah, I, I, I got to catch the book though. I do need to read it. I, if it's a short read, I'm in. I don't like it long is. reads. So. It's, it's a it's a short read. Um, that's great. Got
2: through it in a night. So uh yeah, like I said, the ending's completely different, but it wasn't very cinematic, so I can see why they changed it. Right.
1: Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so I mean, spoiler alert. I mean,
2: tell me the ending of the book, if uh, spoiler uh,
1: alerts for everybody.
2: So I think there it's been a, about a year and a half since I read it. um basically he finds himself on top of a, on a rooftop uh, I think it was right before the uh the 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 credit card buildings uh blew up, but he found himself on a rooftop, and the people that he had um made contact with and gotten close to in the groups. Yeah. come rushing out with Marla and they're, and they talk him down off the ledge, basically. Uh, so it's like he was doing those groups for selfish reasons, but in the end, the groups pulled him off the ledge. It was kind of, it was, it was a nice, it was a good ending, but yes. it wasn't really cinematic, and I think the one in the movies better for a film than uh, Yes.
1: I mean, uh, especially like an American film. I mean, you know, the the good guy defeats the the villain, you know, in in, in spectacular fashion. Uh, but yeah. we'll, we can get to the ending here in a second. But um, I guess I want to start with the, with the opening of the film. Let's um, do it. With um, I mean, of course, you know, 20th Century Fox, big budget film. Um, Dust Brothers uh, is the is basically the composers of this film. Uh, so the the heavy electronic score, '99 was a huge uh, year for techno music in general. Uh, Dust Brothers completely capitalized. Um, and i thought they did a great job with the score i actually bought the soundtrack uh at some point in my life um and uh and then of course you get that great little uh, uh cgi sequence of the nerves going all the way into like all the way into, out of his eye and uh or sorry out, out of his nose and then to the gun and you're already discombobulated you know yeah and, and i think that's the kind of thing fincher kind of wanted you know, was to kind of keep you on an uneven keel the entire movie, to where if something could happen, nothing could happen, but you know we're we're, we're going to keep the story rolling.
2: Yeah, and you don't even find out why. I mean, on a second viewing, it's kind of like, oh, we were traveling through his brain because mm-hmm. he's okay, he's lost his mind, and okay, you know, it's kind of like that second viewing is for a person's second viewing. It's probably better than their first viewing so if you've seen it once if you watch it again
0: oh, you'll you'll wow.
2: catch things that you didn't catch the first time and um, one, of it's a biggest, yeah, one of my different experience kind of cool
0: one of my biggest notes is could you have like this is one of the movies that almost immediately required a, a second viewing you know I couldn't wait to re-watch it uh, that's 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 just a, such a great tribute or a trait that this movie has is the, the 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 rewatch, the second rewatch was almost immediate for me. I wanted to go back and figure out how they did this, how they made um, you know Tyler Durden seem invisible, you know, so yeah.
1: and um, I mean, and then, I mean, from the jump, as soon as you see the live action on cinema uh, on on film, like you, you 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 get a real touch of venture's con- contribution to the whole thing. I mean, Fincher's huge on just darkness. Just low-lit everything.
2: It's very warm. And, and, yeah.
1: and Fight Club oh. is no exception to this his filmography. Um, and which I love about David Fincher. like he, he can really capture the light within the shadows rather than the shadows within the light. Yeah,
2: it's and, very um, saturated, and there's not a lot of color. Yes. It's, very, it's all kind of one tone. Different, right. various, but One tone, yeah. It's kind and, of...
1: And so, like, like, th- th- there's never a, a scene like in midday. It's always, you know, near near the evening time or early morning or or something like that. So we always keeps it on a dark tip. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, with the character of Jack, with uh, with uh, Edward Norton's character, um, I had loved Edward Norton ever since uh, Primal Fear. And so, um, I thought in the '90s his resume was so fucking stacked. And then he then he topped it off with this. At the end of the decade, um, it's it's just legendary. I mean, I I couldn't think of anybody else to play this character uh, besides Edward Norton.
0: Yeah, my favorite Edward Norton film um, next to Twenty Fifth Hour, for sure. <laughs> mine next to American History X.
1: Man, uh, <laughs> mine next to Primal Fear. <laughs> uh, uh it's so funny we, we, we have different views on what our first place at where Norton is but we're all in agreement that spy club is his second favorite. um and uh it, it's 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 never really revealed you know uh what his actual name is uh I, I believe just in fandom in general he's just referred to as Jack because he he keeps saying that I am Jack's you know uh, <laughs> lack of of a subtlety or or, or he says it
2: yeah,
1: um, yeah. Because he's talking about the organs uh, in talking in first person.
0: My favorite one is I am Jack's, ob- uh, uh, m- m- I'm sorry, medulla oblongata. <laughs> and that's a uh, water boy reference as well. So sorry if I yeah. butchered that. Makes uh,
2: uh, I am Jack's raging bile duct. Yes. Bile duct. <laughs> he was angry.
0: <laughs>
1: I am Jack's total lack of surprise.
2: <laughs> and um. he said out loud, she's like, what?
1: yes, uh, and that's, that's another th- what and that's another thing too that um that you need to hit on uh, with his job. I mean, um he he works at a very, very just uh like if if you're not used to it, I mean, very visceral, bloody job, you know um he has to he has to see these these scenes of post car crashes and the only the only reason he's there is to calculate numbers and to see if it's if it's worth the company to actually make make it a news story or not. I mean, right. how, nihilist, how, how much more nihilistic of a job can you have?
2: Well, it's not, it's not really even that. It's kind of like uh, he, he works in his whole existence in the beginning of the film. The first act is just introducing how he's um, just, for one, he's nameless. You never know his name. So he's a nameless cog in the corporate machine and in, in society. In general, he's just, like he says, they're consumers, and that's their role. That's what they do. And when I say they, I mean him and everybody else. Everybody's—he's apathetic to everybody because everybody's apathetic to him. Look at, um look at the doctor that he goes and sees. Um, he's just like, just get some sleep, and he kind of walks away. And then the guy he meets in the airport or talks to in the airport about his bag being missing is just—he doesn't even give a shit. He's just kind of like, yeah, your bag's probably in Cincinnati or whatever. So Is that the dildo guy? The dildo yeah. guy. probably. <laughs> your, he's like, it's not my, and he's like, waves him off. He's just like, I don't even care. Just leave me alone. Yeah. Get that. And uh, so in his job, it's kind of like it reduces people down to numbers. And it's just an, ex, it's just one of those things that he's a part of this system that reduces people to numbers. And that's it.
1: Yeah, and um, and then uh, you also get you get wind that he is completely uh, materialistic. Um, he can't help himself but just buy something that's trendy, and then he's he's not he's not shy about replacing that thing as soon as it stops becoming trendy.
2: Um, yeah, and that's it's, it's, But once again, that's his role. Yeah, humor,
1: and uh, and then uh, one day uh, he. Uh, well, I mean, sorry. The, the, I guess his main problem in the story is that he can't sleep. Uh, he's having he has insomnia. He can't figure it out. The doctor has is no help. Uh, but then uh, he tells him, "You want to see pain? You know, go to the uh, tes- testicular cancer talking group on Sunday nights." And so he goes and meets Bob, who Bob plays a huge huge part in the movie, uh, played by Meatloaf of all people, mm-hmm. and uh, and Bob has bitch tits, and I, I thought it was a great little. <laughs> Uh, addition, you know, just to his character. Besides the fact that he's a former bodybuilder with testicular cancer, like <laughs> like he also has bitch tits.
0: Right. And um, I, I am a huge meatloaf fan. I am a giant meatloaf fan. Um, my dad used to wake me up on Saturday mornings when I slept in too long to meatloaf. <laughs> he, <laughs> he would he would turn he would turn that that Sony uh, you know three foot speaker up as loud as it would go, and and I'd have to wake up to. I would do anything for love. So, uh, <laughs> huge Meatloaf fan, and and I wish he acted more. He was such a good actor in this role. Yeah. I put a little note next to him saying, "You know, uh, Meatloaf uh, to me did well, did great in this role." You see him, you see him here and there, but um, you know that that was my first time to see him as an actor, and and I went, "I know that guy." <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, uh, a, a friend of mine would be mad if I didn't say you should probably watch Formula Fifty One because he's terrific in Formula Fifty One. You know,
1: I, I got halfway through Formula 51, and then I turned it off. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. But, okay. The Sam Jackson thing, it, it wasn't working for me, and so...
2: Well, uh, they tried it, too much to beat Guy Ritchie, and it's just, they couldn't really pull that style off. But yeah. it was okay. Um,
1: but, uh, <laughs> but then, but then uh, through this, is the reason why we get introduced to Marla Singer. Uh, Jack gets addicted to uh, self-help cool. groups uh just because it helps him sleep because he can cry uh he can fake i guess what would you call it fake crying
2: no it's r- real crying it's um so he'll he'll go to these groups and l- as long as he doesn't say anything, they don't know why he's there, and he's getting help for his emotional distress because of him feeling like a just a nameless drone yeah. That's, you know, that that's, that's the reason he can't sleep. His, his, his whole identity is basically what you said, consumerism. And the things in his apartment, all those purchases are things that he tries to, he, he says later on, the, he said, what kind of dust covers define me as a person? It's a literal yeah. line in the film. So it's kind of like
0: his whole identity is in material things.
2: Yeah. So. The note that
0: I wrote about him crying and being able to let it go and go to bed is, is masculinity and, and not crying you're, is, as a masculine male you're not supposed to cry you're not supposed to let it out and i think that's where he gets his his cries out is in these groups where it's okay um
2: that well, but within what bob's bitch tits right
0: yeah yeah of course but what i think more, you know that that ties yeah, the the masculinity aspect of it, where you know you're you're taught as a as a man not to cry in front of people or or express your your feelings or when you're sad to to cry it out. So that's the note I wrote about it. But that's what I got out of it.
1: Yeah, man, just, I mean, but it's a Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh,
2: uh, I mean, how more uh, Bob is emasculated because his balls are gone and he's his estrogen levels breasts, are up and he's got yeah. boobs. And then Jack is emasculated because of his role in society. But as long as he doesn't say anything, he can get those cries out with Bob and they both feel better.
1: Yep. Yeah. And so, and, and so
2: go ahead. Yeah. And
1: then so already the, the the film has like at least three layers of depth to it. And we haven't even gotten to Tyler Durden yet. I mean, wow. um and, and that's 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 what I love. And then you bring in Marla Singer, and then she brings in another layer. Um of just and then on top of that, the great cinematography uh, of Marla, like like those shots of Marla with the cigarette and the glasses and the hat, like looking very sinister. Um, and so, but 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 really at heart, she is just a woman. She's just just trying to make her way as well, you know. And uh, she might be devious at times in the circles of the self help group. I mean, but really, she's just a human being, you know. But uh, but Jack always views her as this parasite
2: almost. Uh, this thing. Well, he views himself in her. She's doing the exact right. thing he does. So,
0: a Quick facts about a Hell of a Bottom Carter in the role. Um, she actually got bronchitis afterwards uh, because she smokes so much in the <laughs> scenes and, and, and And Fincher apparently is a notorious reshoot. I mean, you know, scene after scene after scene. He wants it perfect. And she smokes in every scene you see her in. Like, every scene. Not only that, she smokes pretty heavily. So she had sent him an X-ray of her lungs uh, at the end of shooting to say, "Yeah, thanks a lot. You know, here you go. Uh, probably paid for. He probably paid for the hospital bill, I'm sure too. But uh, I thought that was a fun fact that I read. That's great.
1: Yeah, and she went all in. Like uh, I couldn't, in in retrospect, I couldn't see anybody else playing it. I mean, because she's so wiry and so uh, emaciated, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I I I don't know if I'm pulling a name out of a hat. Uh, like Robin Wright would probably pull off that role pretty well, but Helen Obama Carter, I, the I think she she nailed it on this role and uh, it, it really added, added a lot more depth. Um, but then at, at some point, um, uh on an airplane, I guess Jack goes full crazy and then has a conversation with Tyler Tyler Durden. And uh, wh- how would you interpret this scene, like, in reality? Like, a guy on an airplane talking to Tyler Durden for the first time, knowing that eventually you realize that he's talking to himself.
0: You like, know...
1: Is, is that the moment uh, he goes crazy, or...?
0: I really like just backing up one little bit where, you know... First of all, he mentions DFW Airport. That was fun. I'm a, I made a, I made a star of that. Um, but also, <laughs> the, the plane crash scene is right before that, I think, when he, before he meets Durden. Yeah, And was that, was that at, in 1999 so realistic to me? It was, it was really well done, um, where the plane comes in and, and obviously hits, hits that plane he's on and rips it apart. People are flying out. Uh, the CGI was phenomenal at the time. And I still think it holds up today a little bit. I watched it today and went, wow, that's not bad. Okay. Yeah, they, the, the, they said in the... actually watched...
2: Um, the behind-the-scenes uh, a while back, and they said the little things just flying past the screen are actually detailed little, little uh, you know, cocktail glasses and um, little bottles of vodka, just very detailed, but they're whizzing by so fast you can't even see what they are, but they put that much detail into them that even little things like that were Looks detailed. Cool. They would just, yeah, so they put a lot of work into them.
1: No, uh yeah I I think I I think I watched the same feature that you did Jeff. And uh yeah I remember watching the 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 scene by scene the layer by layer and how much work they put into it. But uh but then going back to the first scene with Norton and and Pitt in the same yeah. space. you know, talking about how they have the same briefcase and 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 things like that like um like there's a lot to chew on there. You know, like, uh, <laughs> like I, I always try to v- envision sometimes watching this movie as a person who's watching this from a third party. You know, yeah. like, uh, like watching Edward Norton just talk to himself. You know, yeah. and just having having nice that little white
2: mind, and he's just, you know, he's just having it in his mind, and he's not actually externalizing it. Yeah, but sense. the thing is, Tyler gets up, walks down the aisle, and goes into first class, and <laughs> he just. Leaves like, his seat. It's kind of like you're in midair. Where are you going? Yeah, he just uh, leaves. buddy on first viewing catch that? I'm curious if if they did or not.
1: I didn't even. I didn't even make the connection. I mean, I remember him making the motion to the stewardess. Yeah. But other, but other than that, I, I didn't. I didn't think anything
0: further. <laughs> yeah, I just think if you're Brad Pitt, you can do whatever you want in life. So I think he just that's just who he is. <laughs> he wants to go to first class. He can. Mm-hmm. All right. And. uh... And um, so then,
2: uh, uh, yeah, I, I always just thought that maybe he was in those moments. He was just, you know, uh, just having the conversation in his mind. Just kind of Not just
1: still confident. and quiet, and just staring at the at the at the, the head like the headpiece on the seat behind in front of him.
2: Yeah,
1: just being very calm.
2: It's very boring, but yeah, that's what I always pictured. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and then. Uh, uh,
1: like uh, I was actually telling Jeff uh, yesterday, uh, we had a little test call, and I uh, said that my favorite scene in the whole movie is the Raymond K. Hessel scene, where he uh, basically grabs a, a convenience store clerk, pulls him outside, and and is about to execute him on his knees with a revolver. And, Very uh, impactful scene, yes. Man, uh, it still holds up. And I watched it today. It it's it, it's so. I mean, it's like a, it's a mixture of like profoundness, insanity, you know. Um, and it's, it, I mean, it's obviously Edward Norton there, right? So you you can imagine what Raymond K. Hessel was thinking, listening to a guy talk to him to himself. And <laughs> to <Raymond K>.
0: Hessel. <laughs> he, he probably shit his pants.
1: Man, and uh, and it's 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 so like it, I guess at the time that I was watching it, it was so profound. And then as soon as he ran off, you know, he gets he gets inquired, you know, by Edward Norton and and Tyler Durden just says, you know, tomorrow will be the greatest day of his life. You know, his pancakes will taste better. His coffee will taste stronger. Right. It has, you know, and I'm just like, man, what a way to look at life. You know,
2: like uh, here's the why did he say that that line? Did he say it because he just survived and he's and he wakes up the next day or is he? is his breakfast going to taste better because he's on his way to doing what he wants to do.
0: And that's what I took took from it. I took from it. He's, he's on his way to the the dream or the goal that he had at one time. And now he's really going to fulfill that dream. Right.
2: see, I always took away that
0: it's because he just survived, you
2: know, being shot in an alley.
0: Yes. That's, that's that's easy way to think about it. I think once you watch it 20 times, (laughs) You know, you start to go, wait. Well, they, they, more, they, they, they both crept into prison It's kind of like, wait a second. did What's he
2: thinking? What's Tyler thinking at that moment? Right. It's a little ambiguous, and it's kind of cool. I like it.
1: At, at that point in the movie, I mean, he has gotten so nefarious, Tyler has, um, yeah. that I always thought it was just a way to justify his actions, you know? Yeah, like maybe like, show like, his
0: crazy side like, a little bit.
1: Like he himself just wants to do bad shit. And so, this uh, I guess I guess at some point the Tyler Durden part of his brain is bigger than the than the John side of his brain. And so, like he, like there's that little Jiminy Cricket of John being like, "Why did you do that?" And then he, he just kind of spins spins a story to him because he is he is a villain. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's who, yeah. that's who yeah. Tyler Durden is. And so, well, whether his actions are Thanos like in in you know theory. That's that's still to be seen, but th- that's how I viewed it. Whenever I first saw the scene, was that you know, the, I mean, but again, the first time I saw it, I didn't know
2: about the ending. Oh, it's so, where you're acting the duality back and forth, the conflict back and forth.
1: Yeah, and, and so then, so then once the twist happens, you have to watch it on the second time to reinterpret everything that you watched on the first on the first you know run. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I first watched it, that's how I how I viewed Brad Pitt was just as the bad guy. Like he's the guy, like the bad influence. He's like the Eddie Haskell, you know, of the of the neighborhood. Like he's just the bad kid, you know. Like like don't like don't hang out with that Durden kid. He's 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 bad news, you know. And so, and then he he ends up you know hanging out with the Durden kid, and I always thought that was just his way of justifying you know just being a, being an asshole and just holding a gun on somebody. Um, but then uh, then we, I I really want to talk about the uh, the the initial fight scene um, where, you know, he, he asked him for a place to stay, and he <laughs> said the only, the only contingent was that he had to hit him as hard as he could. Um,
0: and, what a great so, line, by the way. What a great he, line.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I yeah want, he, he,
0: says that, he says that, I want you to hit me as hard as you can. You know, it's just so, it's so just, it's such a part of movie cinema quotes in my mind. I think it's a top 50 quote of all time. <laughs>
1: And it's, uh, and it's, it's, and then Brad Pitt is just so giddy, you know, about being punched for the first time. Um, and, and he's like, what do you want me to hit?" He's like, surprise me. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's like, uh, and then when you go back and watch it with that, with the twist already being, being laid down, I mean, you can totally see it as a Jekyll and Hyde, you know, type of situation. Like where, where, you know, uh, Jack is definitely the Jekyll and, and, and Brad Pitt is definitely the Hyde. Um, and so it's, it's such a dichotomy there. Well, and then.
2: It, well, here, here's the, uh, I, I, the, the viewpoint, I guess, but, um, I always thought that they were kind of, yeah, uh, Tyler's kind of, um, the, the, the self-proclaimed outcast, you know, at this point, and he's, um, taken on that role, but I don't think he's necessarily a villain yet i always saw him as the movie goes along he evolves into the villain he's not a villain yet yeah so for him to i think right now at this fight scene i think they're he's just a friend reaching it out reaching out and saying and getting um jack on board and I, i i think he finally has someone to make contact with, so it's kind of like let's explore this and see where this goes.
1: I mean, but do you feel like Tyler Durden had the
2: long game in mind? I don't think. I think yeah. I, th- I think it got out of control later on.
1: Like he just he just kept feeding the beast, and the beast just got bigger. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. And um, but so but it only became possible when. Um, this first punch kind of woke it up and mm. um, until now he was just trying to get Jack out of his you know, out of his apartment Yeah, and basically <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of like get us out of this
0: place so Mark, mm-hmm. fun, fact, <laughs> fun fact about that first punch scene uh, I heard that between Pitt and Norton, they made a bet to actually punch him. Like, Pitt was like, I want you to really punch me. And that was Edward Norton's kind of, you know, he of course he's not going to square up on him, but it was yeah. his it was his attempt as an actor to really punch a man. Uh, and that was it. And that, I heard that got the cut. So I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if that's, you know, film allure or if it's real or not, but that, it seems, it looks real to me. It looks goofy and it looks real. Uh, and I loved it. it Whether it's very intentional, he actually did get him in the ear. That was, yeah. Yeah. Funny. yeah yeah i was gonna ask was that part of the book was the you got me in the ear part of the book which i don't think was
2: no no it wasn't yeah that
0: was a, so it th- would make ad-lib. more sense that yeah. that little <laughs> ad lib that little ad lib it just it just fits so well the way he reacts with his ear and and i and i it looks like a real punch to me you know uh which it it makes it that scene just even better it's so realistic yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: and so then um after that, uh, a lot more characters kind of come into the fold. And one of the most interesting characters uh, uh, is the role of Blondie, uh, played by uh, Jared Leto. Yeah. And uh, he, he, he basically becomes, like, I guess, the assumed right-hand man of Tyler Durden. And uh, as Retribution, later on in the film, he gets the absolute ever-loving shit kicked out of him by Jack, what which a, is also Tyler a... Durden. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so...
0: Movie beatings I've ever seen. I mean, you didn't even get your ass kicked this bad in Roadhouse with Swayze, dude. I mean, this was an ass kicking. It was bad.
1: It was bad, yeah. bad. Uh, so much so that later on in the film you saw his scars, and they were and so, like they couldn't even you know get his face to regular face again.
2: Yeah, he's like, missing teeth and yeah.
1: Permanent Drake, Drake,
0: Drake, you got to throw out the, the the quote. What's the quote?
2: I wanted to breathe smoke.
0: <laughs> oh, I was I was doing. The, I wanted to de- destroy something beautiful. Oh, there you go. Mm, man. Uh, and so how uh, meta, that quote, how meta is that? Want to destroy <laughs> something beautiful.
1: And it's uh, it's <laughs> me and my uh, me and my buddy. We always talk about this film, and uh, that that part in particular, where uh, Brad Pitt, uh, I guess witnessing this beatdown, and he just goes, take him to a fucking hospital. And then, uh, but uh, but in, in this viewing that I watched today, I, I, I first, first time I ever picked up on it was that every time Tyler Durden is done with a cigarette, he completely just goes up in the air and then back down again. Like he just he just completely just obliterates the cigarette.
2: Yeah, like I'm done with you. Get the fuck uh,
1: away. Every single time he doesn't flick it, he doesn't do nothing. He just he just chunks it, like up and down. And uh, uh, and also another thing that I noticed on this viewing was when they were walking to the Paper Street house, um, Jack was walking on the sidewalk, and Tyler was literally walking on the curb covered in water. So his feet were getting wet walking on the curb while Jack was on the, on the sidewalk. And I thought it was just a great little small way to show the differences in the, in the two men.
2: <laughs> um,
1: yeah, and I got the, the,
2: and the third thing
1: I noticed, which is kind of a fun fact, was the guy that, that I guess manages Lou's Tavern, you know, the one that g- gives them access to the basement? Yeah, that guy is the guy who plays the Lucky Charms guy in yeah. Austin
0: Powers. I did notice that.
1: <laughs> Why does everyone always laugh when I say that? I
0: mean, <laughs> oh, that's such I've a never great scene! That before, but I see oh, it. Oh, that's such a great scene in that movie. Um, Oh, you, uh,
2: you mentioned Paper Street. I was gonna point yeah. out. I don't know if anybody knows this, but back with the uh, the you know the paper atlases and uh, Rand McNally's. yeah you know, uh, a paper street was a street that's on the map, but not in real life.
1: really yeah uh,
2: it's like a uh, it's a
1: it's a street uh, made up for the map.
2: Well, I, I don't know. It's like they accidentally put a street in, and maybe it didn't have a name, but it, it was there. They call that a paper street that's only on the map, but not in real life.
0: Ah, huh, like a ghost oh. street. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, uh, the only the only note I have of the paper street house, you mentioned the house, is this is the filthiest <laughs> dirtiest house in cinema history. <laughs> is it not? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, the set design and the whole film is I
0: mean, fantastic. But, but I this mean, this house looked like, just looked like a tetanus shot in real life. I mean, just they kick they kick the, the power off while they're three feet in water. I mean, just dingy, dirty. Uh, just ugh. It it deserves a set design uh a you know award for me.
1: And that, <laughs> and that was real. That that was a real house that they really made. Wow. I mean, exterior and interior. I mean, it was. Like a lot of money got put into the making that house. I didn't and, know that. Yeah, and uh it, it yeah, but you're right, it it feels like just this wet and soaked and like just unsafe.
0: I was gonna <laughs> like, say just one night there, you're gonna get a cold or the flu or something worse. You know, it's just it it it's just the only house I've ever seen in cinema that just grossed me out to the extreme.
1: <laughs> and um uh, another scene I wanted to, to hit on was a very small scene, but it's very crucial. Uh, it's the scene right after the car crash where he tells him to let go, where he's like, you're fucking pathetic. You know that, that, that scene? Yeah. You um, get into the car crash. It fades to black. It comes back up again, and all you see is Edward Norton laying on his bed and Brad Pitt talking to him while he's sitting at the end of the bed. And he's going on in, in some existential shit. And I guess uh, Edward Norton's just kind of half in, half out uh, the entire time. And then Tower Durden leaves and he closes the door. And then the next thing you see is him waking up and to an empty second floor of the Paper Street house. And then Project Mayhem is in full swing.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: I thought that that scene was so good. And it's, it's, it's like, you, you could take that scene out and it would, it, would, it would change the entire dynamic of the whole movie. Like, because uh, it's so symbolic of, basically, this is me saying that I'm taking over now. Like, like the day to day, I'll just do the day to day from now on. And uh, and so, so the time that I, so the time that I'm sleeping, you're gonna walk around being all paranoid. But but that's only gonna be for a couple hours out of the day. So, um, and uh, I thought that was just a, such a fantastic scene. And then, I can't not talk about the scene at the uh, the, the the police station where he's trying to confess to all his wrongdoings and then the lead detective steps out for a second and then oh, you realize yeah. that you're surrounded by a bunch of project mayhem personnel and the first thing you hear from from one from the dirty cops is i admire you and oh, i thought so. that was just such a great line
0: you can <laughs> see the panic in his face you can see where he's like oh hell you know it's gotten to the cops you mm-hmm. know it, it it is a true moment of fear. There, you're like, oh, he's not safe anywhere. Right.
1: Well, it's like, um, it's I I guess on this viewing, I kind of I got kind of de- delved deeper into the philosophy of what Tyler Durden was trying to get across to his people, and that is that Tyler's not a leader, Jack isn't a leader, you're not a leader, Robert's not a leader. Like nobody's. We're all the fucking same. Like we're all just a bunch of cogs in the machine. But how? How can? But we have the ability to sway the machine, us together, and so um, I whenever whenever I saw that scene about you know that I admire you for taking this step and letting us take your balls, you know, because because you know, I mean we're all <laughs> we're, we're all in this together. And, ball, yeah. and you, you are no more special than than him or I, you know, like nobody. You're not a, a special snowflake. You are not your fucking khakis, you know. You are not. You, you know, you're not anything really. You know, and and that that included Tyler and Jack. You know, and uh, and I thought that that philosophy was very um, something that I missed on so many other viewings. Um, and then, uh, but but once you realize that, you're like, oh, that 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 explains, you know, the car crash scene, you know, and the you know the the waiting three days without any food or water, you know, out outside of uh, the Paper Street House, uh, all the training that's involved. Um, how in Project Mayhem, they have no names, you know, um, and then building a mythology around that after somebody dies, which, again, another great scene uh, involving Meatloaf.
0: His name uh, was Robert Paulson. Awesome.
1: Yes. Uh, and, and, like, in and how uh, the, the mythology kind of grows because of death. And, and uh, <laughs> like... The, the, the followers of Project Mayhem are not willing to give up this central idea, but they're willing to amend it, you know, right. where he, he has no name in life, but in death, his name is given back to him. And, uh, and it's just, it, it's, it's super creepy on top of being just a great scene, and uh, <laughs> again, I, I think a lot of people misinterpret it, you know, uh, <laughs> in, in, in retrospect, um that you know th- these these are a group of basically just cult members basically you know and and bob well, gave his life for this ideal that is just destruction and and mayhem
2: yeah that's that's uh uh that's kind of the point of the whole thing is uh, if you're not careful you can be taken over by an ideal very easily even if you're trying to rebel from an ideal and that's where bike club uh, the the actual club in the movie that's that was kind of the tipping point. so all these guys who are who have the same they're trying to escape uh, an emasculating society find solace in this club that they can come down and find out what they're really made of because. When it's when it comes down to it, it's about it's not about winning the fight, it's about taking the punch, and seeing what you can take, and seeing what you can defeat. I mean, it's about winning too, but it's that's basically what the club was all about. That's why Tyler wanted to get hit, and not yeah. say, "Hey, let's fight." He wanted just, "Hey, hit me in the I don't want to die without any scars. Hit me in the face, you know, yeah. or surprise me." And so. Yeah, That's so good. That's to good. get the product of Mayhem, um, it just, it, it, it escalated. You see the evolution um, for Tyler, and he starts to manipulate and create an uh, create an ideal, and he just becomes a hypocrite. And it um, <laughs> took me a few viewings to get that, but it's kind of like, all right. That's how he's the bad guy. He's yes. a hypocrite, and he's just... He's fighting against an ideal, but he's using an ideal to fight it. So it's... So
1: even the rebellion
2: becomes, becomes better. Ideal. Yeah. And uh, these guys well, are just blindly following an ideal when that's what they were trying to get away from in the first place.
1: Yeah, oh, well where, said,
2: Drake. Well said, Drake.
1: I mean, God, I mean, there's so much... Philosophy you could draw from this film, and and then, like you said, his his ideal is the rebellion, and the only linchpin in this whole plan is Marla. Like, right? That's the, that's the one thing that he can't fuck with, that, that Tyler Durden can't fuck with, was is his feelings for Marla, like, and, and how she can creep in and into his actual life, you know, because because she's well, the only one that kind of saw him as a human being.
2: Right, uh, you, uh, that comes down to the kind of this. So, in development, and um, you know, you 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 have mentors after you leave home. Yeah. So you have your father. They 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 teach you morals. They teach you how to you know step by step how to grow up, and then you got to leave the house and go off into the world and do your thing well you have to be taught your thing right whatever that is so uh, apprenticeship and mentoring comes into play and if you can latch on to someone who can mentor you and show you the way and show you how to get be good at something they become a second father yeah once that's done then you, you you should be good on your own and the only thing left is if you choose to do so
0: um get married. Get married and that's <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the that's part of the uh the quote there. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah, Marla's bit.
2: important because he rejects her, rejects her, rejects her when he sees himself in her, but then through that they they, they, they he finally sees that it's like, oh, you're a part of this too. yeah, yeah, I'm getting lost in my work but yeah, that's and so no. she is important and she becomes important to him and he worries about her safety and then he becomes her protector and then at the very end, when they finally hold hands yeah. watching the world burn it, it's come full circle to exactly where he needs to be and he's grown up. He's an adult now, in It only, only took the, the destruction of seven credit card buildings, <laughs> but uh, well, you got to understand, it's probably happening in other cities too.
1: Yes, yes, you're right. Uh, and I, I, I thought that the fact of the no name city was a good, uh, it was a, it was a fun little fact there. Uh, another fun fact: the city in the movie Seven, which Fincher also directed, has no name as well. So Fight Club uh, 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 and, and Seven could. Could maybe live in the same universe. Um,
0: <laughs> How fun uh, is and, that universe?
1: <laughs> very, very grim, very dark, and very rainy.
0: I don't um, want to live there.
1: No, <laughs> hell no.
0: Um,
1: <laughs>
0: you know, yeah. I, 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 I'm gonna so. run down just my my quick little five things I took from this movie. Uh, sure. Maybe We can finish off with the ending. I know we're getting close to that hour time that Drake was wanting, so I'm just gonna uh, I'm if we go take to my, watch my watch, five my five points. Uh, or just what I got from it, you know, lack of identity, uh, society blaming consumerism, male insecurities, domestic terrorism. It's, it touches all those, but Fincher's touch to it, the cinematography, the acting, I think, um, you know, Edward Norton and Pitt were in their heyday. This is probably their prime. Um, Maybe that pre Y2K uh, doom and gloom. I remember part of that. I remember people being really freaked out about that Uh, paid some, you know, attention to this movie and, and, and made it what it is uh, but still seeing it 20 years later I've touched like I said I've seen it probably probably in the 30s now I've, I've watched it enough I've seen all the splices I, I've, I've seen enough reviews of it but um, it's in my top 10 because it's just, one of, it's just an amazing movie I mean people that want to bash it for, for its flaws it's fine but it still holds up well the um,
1: uh, I read a great article uh, last year talking about the films of 1999 and how uh in that year in particular it was a year without real political or government turmoil like it was it was a time of a relative peace you know yeah. so where you, you're not worried about somebody attacking you you know on, on, a, on a global stage you, you have you have the time to be able to kind of look at yourself and and worry, and worry about little petty things about your personality and, and how you're doing in life. And I think that bike Club is a great representation of that period in time um, to where you have the ability to tell these kinds of stories because there's no outside turmoil like, like we have in, in today's society where you, you have no idea what's gonna happen next. And, um, and so uh, back in the late 90s, we had a surplus in our economy you know i think the, the biggest thing we had to worry about was the president getting the blow job i mean it was, it was <laughs> there, there wasn't a whole lot you know as far as real fear like real fear in people's lives and so the, the fear kind of came came from within you know I i think that the fight club definitely represents uh that feeling of the late 90s um well, and then well, um, and, and you can't discount the fashion that's in, it's involved in this film uh Tyler Durden and that red leather jacket i mean like even even Tyler Durden's hair it's all spiked up late 90s like like the like, like uh, too cool from WWE like it's um like it's, like it's, it's very indicative which which most films in 99 have been uh, have been you know i guess cursed with this kind of fashion but they still kind of live on you know, um, but I mean, but every scene that Brad Pitt was in, he just looked like an absolute badass, and I think that's a great visualization of what Tyler Durden is. You know, he's just the end all be all of what a cool guy should look like. You know, even even in even in the standard of real life, like Brad Pitt being the guy. You know, like the cool guy that you can look up to and be like, oh, I wish I wish I looked like that guy. I wish I acted like that guy, or, or you know, I, I have the demeanor of this guy.
0: There's a part of me that says, fuck you, Brad Pitt and in, in, in Fight Club, because none of us look that way. We can't have eight packs. It's unrealistic. <laughs> it, it's really fucked us off, you know, for the last 20 years of uh, what we look at the beach, you know, when we see ourselves. But you know what? You know, I'll, I'll let it slide. He was great. You know though. what? You, you, you say that.
2: You said that 20 years ago in Fight Club.
0: And you're saying it now in what's the time in Hollywood.
1: Yeah. Like, fuck so, you,
0: man. How yeah. dare you
1: take a shirt off in that film? He's
0: genetically <laughs> superior than us.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, what? The dude's like in his like mid fifties now. Yeah, I mean, dude's still rocking it. I mean, so I mean, it's it's like fuck you, Brad. <laughs> but,
0: I, <laughs> but I love it. It's like him and Tom Cruise are just still somehow doing it. I don't get it.
2: Dude, it's it's crazy. It's um, fine. I it doesn't bother me at all. It's honestly, <laughs> if it bothered me that much, I'd work out.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. You, you, you yeah, it's not seven, making me do
0: sit-ups. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, like I w- w- we could talk for for another hour at least about this film and the philosophy and and the metaphors that it brings up. Um, but uh, one last thing I wanted to do before I got off uh, got off the, the the call with you, Jeff, was I wanted to know what your top three films of all time were. Uh, and I asked you if you wanted to do a top three, and you said mm-hmm. yes. Let's do a top three all-time. And I don't think you've ever divulged to me your top three, so I can't wait to
2: hear it. Okay. So, uh, Fight Club's number two. Okay. Number one is Shawshank. Shawshank, okay. Shawshank Redemption. Um, and I was having trouble with three. Um, but I, I, I'm Going between The Dark Knight and Green Mile. So I've got two Durabont films. Yeah. Uh, let's, yeah t- let's go top, top four, but but three and four are interchangeable.
1: Well, I mean, I I always thought that the all-time top ten was kind of a revolving door type situation. Like like tomorrow, your top three could, could be completely different. Like like you wake <laughs> up tomorrow you're like, know what? Five clubs not number two anymore. It's this movie now. <laughs> and and, it's and so it's
2: and it and could so be like, long. oh, Ernest scared stupid. It so made the top three. <laughs> top three. Top... <laughs> yeah. So 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 literally. Joke, and everybody knows that Ernest goes to camp is the best one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a big debate,
0: because uh, there are a lot of
1: scared <laughs> stupid. Uh,
0: I'm a big Ernest, big Ernest goes to jail guy. Actually, that's my that's my bag.
1: My camp is is the is the Ernest Goes to Jail camp. Like I'm I'm I am i representative Ernest goes to jail over all of them.
2: I I don't know. It gets a little campy there when he's shooting lightning out of his fingers. Just can't time, that's over the line. That's just too much.
1: But at the same time, like you get that great little uh, uh sound effect
2: that, that, <laughs> that he that
1: oh, that's makes that's he has that little sound effect in it, and it does it every time he shoots lightning. And, uh, oh, I, uh, and I mean, but, but the piece there is this dance of, of that movie was whenever he's in the jury box
2: and he breaks his pen, <laughs> he chews, he's chewing on <laughs> ink,
0: <and> he's <laughs> chewing
2: on the piece of paper. It's so oh. good.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's like it's it's one of the best physical comedy scenes I've ever seen in my life.
2: Jim Varney was
0: so underrated when he was alive. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> I'm, I'm just so happy that we can sit here and divulge on pulp fiction and then all have love for Ernest Goes to Jail. I mean, it's just that's why <laughs> movies are awesome. They they their their range is never ending. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, we were talking about Fight Club actually, Ryan. Oh, really? Yeah. pulp
0: fiction? Wow.
1: It was it was a wait wait, wait, wait.
0: They're, they're so they oh, real. You're right. <laughs> i am sitting here at my top 3 in my head, guys. I'm so sorry. I did did I just oh my god, I spoiled my You've top. you already flipped. it's fine. Um, damn god. it.
1: So now we got to hear it. Now we got to hear what your what Rylan Johnson's top 3 of all
0: time uh,
1: August 23rd.
0: Um you know, I was kind of with uh, Drake there. The the, top, the third pick was was between like six films. I could throw any in the top in that three spot and feel comfortable with it. I had to go with Raiders of the Lost Ark because it's one of my. It's just my favorite character. Um, it's introduction to indie. Spielberg's great in it. You know, directing in it. I think it's just. It hits on an adventure level. And it hits on uh, so many different levels for me as a kid growing up. The adventure of it. Uh, Got to go with Raiders for three. Um, and I did spoil my number two pick with Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Um, to me, is just. Uh, it's it's almost the perfect film. It's Me and Charlie have talked about it before numerous times. Um, it's just awesome on, a, on every level. Uh, I'm a big Tarantino fan, and uh, I, I love the narration of it. I love the, the cinematography of it. I love the pacing. Can't say enough about Pulp Fiction.
1: <laughs> it's uh, oh. it's my number one all-time favorite yeah. film. Really? I I all-time
0: ever. Sarcasm.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's No,
0: I was it, it's not surprising. You know, guys our age, um, you know, our kind of movie taste, it, it's right up there with most people's top 10. I think if you grew up, you know, watching loving movies in the 90s, it's got to be it's got to be on your list. Um, but really, I might surprise some people with my number 1. Um, surprise surprise, it's been her. Uh, get out. Little... Ah, I want to hear the oh. Um, yeah, the backlash. You know, well, what's your thoughts on that? Just to begin with, before I even talk, is that surprising or you uh, know?
1: Well, the only time I ever watched Ben Hur front to back was in world history class, yes. And uh, I remember, I but it was such a long movie. It was it was it was spread out into four days. So I so we, we we caught like forty five minutes each day.
0: <sighs>
1: and so uh, so like by the fourth day, I was like, I'm so ready for the rest of this fucking movie. Like I was, I was, I was like, I was getting excited. Like yeah, I was, like yeah, like walking into world history every single day, and um, and yeah, I I thought the movie was epic, epic in scale. Um, but again, I never had the urge to go back and rewatch it, and so that's what kept it. That's really what kept it out of any of my lists. Really, like rewatchability is a huge factor for me when it comes to
0: faith. Uh, uh, it's it's the exact same way I was introduced to it. it was in was in school at a young age, younger than that. Um, I think I was in maybe fifth or sixth grade. Uh, He was a history teacher that was also a movie buff. So not only did he show the movie to you, he threw in all the lines of you know, the 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 budget, the the man that died at the end during the chariot race, uh, how cool Charlton Heston was, you know, at the time that he made this movie. Uh, It was the first movie that just blew me away and just made me maybe other than Wizard of Oz, just like made me love cinema and Hollywood and to get the biggest like that big scope of it. as a young kid, just, just sucked me in. And I remember asking my dad or I mean, either my dad or my mom for a copy of it. And they looked at me funny, like Ben-Hur, like, cause it was kind of old for them. And, um, I'd watched it numerous times. It, it's kind of my little, if you come over and you want to watch an Epic movie and you're a movie buff, I, I'll put on Ben-Hur for you. Cause not, not a lot of people have seen it. Unfortunately, yeah. some have, yeah. some haven't. I mean, it's old.
1: If if I ever go to your house, I expect you to put on Ben Hur.
0: Well, <laughs> it's so cool. It's such a it's cool movie. A while. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say I'll make brownies or something. You know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. No, that's that's great, man. I know it's it's a, uh, it's. I mean, well, you, the way you kind of talked about Ben Hur was, kind of the way I feel about Pulp Fiction. It was kind of like my way in. You know, like it, it opened yeah, my yeah. eyes. You know, like it opened my eyes to what films could be. You know, and so. And so then I, I started, you know, in my, in my brain going through every movie I'd ever watched and then being like, whoa, 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 you know, just being like, movies, crazy. Like, like, like you know, because when, when you're a kid, you just kind of watch movies, you know? And then, and then there, there's a moment of enlightenment at some point, and usually it's with a certain film. And, uh, and with, with, with me personally, it was Pulp Fiction. That's my number one spot. Uh, my yeah, number yeah. two spot is uh, um, Chasing Amy, the Kevin Smith film, Chasing Amy. That's right. Um, if uh if you know me, uh, anybody that knows me, I have a real indie sensibility. Like I'm I'm always wanting to hear more about the you know the the small budget film that came through the the you know the indie distributor that is kind of getting a lot of, a little bit of buzz at the at the Toronto Film Festival. That's the one that I really care about as opposed to the next Pacific Rim sequel, you know. Um and so I've always had that kind of indie you know, sonar and and just built into me. And uh, nobody spelled uh, independent cinema in the 90s more than Kevin Smith. Um, I think that after a while, he kind of gave into fan service because it was just so enormous, you know, from what he had made in the past. But in his heyday, I mean, I don't think people could touch him, you know, as far as creativity and uh, storytelling, you know, and, and then on top of that, just being a good worker in the industry. Like, he can make a low-budget film, and he can get his numbers, you know, he, he can make it under, you know, the budget, and he can get it out on time, and he can still get his message out. And, um, and so that's why that's my number two. Uh, and then my number three is the John Hughes scripted The Great Outdoors, starring uh, Dan Aykroyd and John Candy, of all people. Uh, this is more of a sentimental uh, entry. Uh, me and my parents and my brother and sister used to always watch this film over and over and over again. We could quote it front to back, um, and I've actually made friends, uh, just like you said, Drake, uh, Drake with uh, um, you know having a bonding experience watching a film. Uh, a, a buddy of mine, we're still lifelong friends, and it's because of that movie, Great Outdoors. It's such a <laughs> pure title. Like, like I mean, you, you could have Sweet Sixteen or Sixteen Candles. You could have you know Pretty in Pink on your shelf. But then, if you have got the great outdoors on your shelf, you're like, "I'm fucking with this guy," like, because because this guy knows, this guy knows what 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 a good what a good John Hughes script looks like.
2: And um, John I remember that in the theater, with with my my mom. And really, I I have a weird memory. I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, but I remember where I sat in the theater when I saw Jurassic Park. I, I remember. I have memories of actually being in the theater watching movies, not just knowing I saw them. It's kind yes. of strange. And we went no, and saw that I, movie. I'm with we you. Dude, we, we sat down. We walked in, in the in the, at the very end. Like, we were watching the end of the movie. We watched the, the whole bear scene at the end of the movie. Huh. And we sat through the credits because we just didn't want to get up and wait in the lobby. We just were like, we'll just fucking watch it. <laughs> That's <laughs> we'll, so funny sat there and waited for the next show and just watched
1: the whole movie again. oh I mean me and my parents still say Big Bear Chase Me Big I mean, Bear Chase Me yeah <laughs> and uh, it's, it's it's a staple in the Thompson house and uh, I could drop any line in that movie to any member of my family and they would know exactly what I'm talking about and so that's why I made number three for me um, uh, but, but my family was big on just lighthearted comedies you know just, just real easy watches you know and, and, and Great Outdoors is definitely that um jeff i thank you so much for coming in uh c- coming on to the show with me uh it's, you know we're homies from way back it's always good to catch up with you and talk oh, yeah. movies um i, I know we probably just scratched the surface uh if we ever uh if we, if we get long enough into our podcasting days i would love to do a fight club part two uh with mr jeffrey drake if i could uh just kind of fine tune and then uh and then see what else
0: we can we can pick uh, Just chalk out. it up now. Just chalk it up now. We're gonna do a. We're we're gonna do a Fight Club Part Two one day. I promise.
1: <laughs> we're booking it. We're booking it.
2: sounds good. I mean, okay. you know. Well, uh, talk, j- talking movies with Charlie Thompson. I, I can't think of a better way to spend a couple of hours. So it's
1: uh. Well, I mean, but fun fact, Ryland. Um, I don't think me and Jeff have ever actually said, "Hey, that movie's playing at the movie house. We should go watch it." Like I don't think we've ever sat through a movie in a theater together. No, like, we've, we've, ne- we've never experienced a movie in that way.
0: Well, uh, in the same when room. This, when this COVID thing stops, I, th- I feel like we needed a massive, real shit meetup. I mean, we do have six six hundred members. I know majority of them are in the DFW Metroplex. So, could you imagine if we got a hundred of us together? Fifty of us? Ah, uh, well, uh, our- <laughs> be awesome.
1: Well, one of our members, uh, Matt Ducey, uh, he works at a, uh, at a movie theater. And he just hit me up today saying we should do a meetup at the theater that he, he runs. And then he said we could do a, a live satellite recording of this show at the theater before Dude, we go sick. see the movie. Dude. We're going to watch. And so... Dude, uh, so
0: you know we're in. you know. got four already.
1: Uh, that's what I love about this group. Uh, the real shit is just it's it's uh like people are just coming up with ideas and and you know they're offering things that they you know they don't have to offer but they do anyways and uh i think that's so cool and uh for those that are listening i uh, thank you so much for hearing our fight uh our fight club talk and our top threes um if, if you want to submit your top threes in the comments guys but please be sure and let i uh, uh, put them down in the comments i'd love to start a conversation on that uh jeff always a good time uh love you to death brother and i will see you uh, around the way and uh uh, for Jeff Drake and for Rylan Johnson I'm Charlie Thompson and we have been spitting the real shit Later on guys
0: With your feet on the air And your head on the ground Try